Welcome to Taking Notes with NextGen Venture Partners, where we have interesting conversations with entrepreneurs and innovators in the NextGen investing ecosystem. I'm your host, Chris Keller, a partner at NextGen Venture Partners, and we hope you enjoy the discussion. My guest today is Tim Spong, co-founder and CEO of Vistapath Biosystems. NextGen Venture Partners is an investor in Vistapath, a digital health company with a mission to modernize pathology labs to increase the quality of patient care. Tim and I talk about what inspired him to start Vistapath, how the company is improving labs today, and what he is most excited about for the future. I hope you enjoy the conversation. Tim, great to have you here on the NextGen podcast. For folks who are listening in, we've got Tim Spong from Vistapath, actually our first investment in Fund3, and we're excited to have him on today to talk about What is going on in the world of histology and pathology, which are words you don't often hear in the startup world. So, Tim, I'd love for you to go ahead and just tell folks a little bit both about what Vistapath does and essentially what, you know, the high level on what histology and pathology are for those that don't know. Sure. Well, thanks so much for having me. Uh, Really excited to talk to you today. And like you mentioned, you're right. Histology and pathology is something that's not in the public verbiage. It's, it's something not a lot of people understand, but you should, if, you know, if you're listening today, you should understand how important pathology and, and histology is and maybe um, best to understand what Vistapath does is by understanding what pathology is. So you can think of pathology as the process of taking tissue uh, on the clinical side from like a human patient And you want to take that tissue and process it into a microscope slide so that a pathologist can look at that microscope slide and and render a diagnosis. That diagnosis is hugely impactful and hugely important for so many patients uh, in the world today. And histology is the process of turning that tissue into a slide. So we don't actually, in histology, do the diagnostic piece. We do all of that lab work of creating that slide. And that process of histology has largely remained unchanged unchanged for about a century. The same work that these labs were doing, that pathology labs, histology labs were doing 100 years ago, they're doing that same work today. Um, and this process is becoming increasingly more difficult from both a price perspective, but also there's fewer and fewer new techs going into histology. And so that's where Vistapath really, uh, the idea of Vistapath came from. The goal of the company is to build the first end-to-end automation line for histology labs. And that need and that idea, uh, you know, to, to jump to your second question, actually came from my background. So I worked for about 12 years in histology labs before I started Vistapath. And about eight, seven, eight years into my career, I was managing a large lab in the Midwest and had um, one of my techs doing what we call uh, tissue grossing. And grossing is where we receive tissue into that lab. It's really the first step in the histology process. We do some data entry where we enter the patient's name and medical record number and medical information into the computer. And then we gross the tissue, meaning we look at that tissue and describe it, 
for size, color, important characteristics. And this, this works really important because downstream, this tissue will ultimately be manipulated and destroyed in the creation of a slide. So we want an original record of that tissue. And so that's the lab that I was managing. We were doing those gross descriptions, had a senior tech doing that work. Someone came over and tapped her on the shoulder. Uh, she's a senior tech, so she was helping a lot of other folks in the lab. And when she stepped away to provide the help, she came back and accidentally swapped two uh, biopsies, two small pieces of tissue uh, from from some human patients. And because she swapped that, um, we actually misdiagnosed one patient with cancer and gave another a clean bill of health despite having cancer. Uh, and so that was hugely impactful on me. It's it's really an all too common story in the uh, industry. And so um, I started Vistapath to really ensure those errors never happen. And the first part, the first product that Vistapath um, built and is now released out of the market is meant to address that first step in histology, both as a foundation for other automation, but of course, to really, um, like I said, ensure that those errors uh, never occur again. To me, it's sort of amazing, you know, given that we often invest in software and productivity and all these various things that help the business world, you know, investing in healthcare and specifically this type of digital health where you can literally see that this product, device, service, et cetera, may actually help a patient not have a mistake that causes them harm. It's like a whole nother level in terms of the impact it can have. Maybe tell us a little more about, you know, how the product has come together, how it's evolved over time and what you are selling and doing today. So we... As I mentioned, released our first product, uh, or I should say got FDA certification and ISO compliance with our first product earlier this year. We call it the Sentinel. The Sentinel is effectively an AI-equipped workstation for histology labs. I mentioned that we can, we're starting in that grossing space. Um, the system will do a couple things. One, it actually watches the technician work to ensure that those errors that I similar errors to the one that I told that story a few seconds ago can never occur. But we also use some really interesting um, proprietary imaging technology and AI to look at the tissue and generate those gross descriptive reports uh, with the same consistency and format of a human tech. But we do it in less than a second, much faster than what you know normally a human tech would do on the order of minutes. Um, it was, as you mentioned, you know, like the the medical space and we, we sort of exist in a, in a weird Venn diagram between diagnostics and, and medical device. Those are difficult spaces to get products out onto the market. And there's a lot of um, effort that needs to go into getting a product into like the diagnostic space. But one of the best parts about that market is everybody's always rowing in the same direction, right? So everybody in that lab from the medical director down to, you know, the executive assistants and, and lab clerks are all working to improve patient care. Um, that is the ultimate goal. And if you can provide a solid case to do that, um, oftentimes the customer is 
our customers, these labs, um, are more than willing to go on that journey with you. You know, obviously, um, there are some other validation efforts and you know other work that you need to do in, into that into that market to really sell. But ultimately, it, it is a market that that moves in one direction, and that's and that's patient care. I think about the challenges that startups have had over time with hardware. And so many people just default to software. But at the same time, I think that as they say, hardware is hard. I'm curious if like, you know, for any other aspiring hardware entrepreneurs that both want to build something novel and solve a real problem, if you have any advice for them, given what you've been doing. Well, you're right. Hardware is hard. What they say about it is is absolutely true. And it, it's not necessarily the engineering effort, but software offers a lot of flexibility um, and a lot of uh, ability to iterate on your product that hardware doesn't necessarily avail you of. That's really, for me, my opinion, the, the main challenge in, in hardware is, um, is that it locks you in a little bit. And, and so my advice would be to anybody starting a, a hardware startup, whether it's in you know, sort of medical device or diagnostics or, or elsewhere is do absolutely do your diligence on what your customers are looking for and what they need um, and spend a lot of time talking to them, talking to your team, talking to whomever you can talk to and show your product to understand, again, everything that is going to be encapsulated in that hardware, because particularly for regulated hardware, once you complete that product and really lock it in, you, you you really don't have a lot of wiggle room. Again, this is specifically with with regulated hardware, but if you want to release an update on the hardware or you want to bring a new product out on the market, there's a lot that you have to do to get that hardware to a position that you you can sell it. Now, I would say software is great for that flexibility, and so use it if you can, right? So we we do build a hardware product, we build this smart workstation, but ultimately it's running on software and web services that are modern and flexible. And so we can provide, we do have this hardware that we've locked into, but we can provide a lot of flexibility and new products and speed for our customers on the software side that isn't necessarily available on the hardware side. Yeah, and I was going to bring that up that I think many hardware businesses today fundamentally end up being software businesses, and that is often the pitch from founders. Sometimes it is really true, and sometimes it's sort of a little bit of a stretch. But, you know, I think we can say with confidence that is very true in your case. One thing that I think you brought up that is of the times, but you were earlier to was the AI side of what you guys are building, or at least the maybe computer vision AI. And I think maybe you can be more specific in that. But I think it has been interesting how one has thought about radiology and seeing the progress of AI there amongst those images and people predicting that one day AI and radiology will be able to do the job of a radiologist. While interestingly here, I think AI can really augment what you are doing without replacing the human, because you still need a human to do all these steps and 
in the meantime, interpret things as is actually more complicated, given that you are primarily doing the first step of the process. So maybe you can just speak to both like your sensor that captures the surface topology, but then also the AI component. Yeah. So when you generate a gross description, it's really important to generate three dimensions of that tissue. So length, width, and height. Um, that is what humans do. And so one of the design conceits very early on at the at the company is whatever gross report that we are generating should be indistinguishable from, from a human. And I think 10 years ago, that would have practically been impossible, right? That, that the technologies that are available today, particularly on the AI side, to help guide that, those imaging technologies that we use uh, to, to get three dimensions is really, is really controlled by artificial intelligence and, and artificial intelligence. We use it slightly different. I think it's the, you know, the, these large language models that are very hot these days, we do a different type of AI. We do imaging, image-based AI, um, which I think there's just as an exciting a future in these imaging-based AIs as there are in like, you know, I think what is what's sort of more of the zeitgeist right now in, in large language models. And the company, I think Vistapath came along at a very interesting time. So in pathology. And you mentioned radiology, which I think is a really um, is really the progenitor for how pathology is moving into a different technology state. So years ago, there was really exciting new MRI hardware, and then AI started to move into radiology to help guide diagnostics from those from that hardware, from those MRI machines and and other technology. And pathology saw that and really started to move in the same direction. When I say that Vistapath came along at an interesting time for pathology, what what was really occurring in our space before uh, AI started moving into the lab where we are is there were a number of companies, really amazing companies here in Boston and, and elsewhere that are using AI to look at digital images of slides and render a diagnosis. So companies... Some of these we work with, like, you know, Page and Path AI and Visio Farm, were really leading the charge on the AI side, maybe not necessarily in clinical use, but in life sciences. And so the industry was, was looking at that and saying, what, like, there was genuine surprise at the capability of AI um, on that diagnostic piece. And so when Vistapath was formed, I think in a lot of ways, the market was much more accepting of those AI technologies than they would have been if we had started three, four, five years ago, where there was frankly just a lot of disbelief that AI was capable of the of the promises that some of these companies were saying they would be able to deliver. And these days, it's almost more of a market pull. You know, like our customers are telling us we want to have more AI. We want to have more, both from what you know, obviously what Vistapath can deliver, but we can leverage that data that we're collecting to to bring new insights to a lab, both on the analytics, but, you know, at a future state on the diagnostic side and having the market primed by both the on the radiology and on the diagnostic side of pathology really, I think, made our go-to-market strategy a lot more um, uh, effective, a lot, a lot smoother, maybe I would say. 
And thinking about where this is all going, I guess you're one piece of a larger puzzle of healthcare startups that are both in the movement around digitization and then in the movement, obviously, around using artificial intelligence in the right places, as you just talked about. I'm just curious, do you have a strong optimism from what you see going on in the world of healthcare and startups these days? And it's a little sobering to ask this, given just how much is going on in the world that feels out of control and crazy. And so at some level, we'd like to believe that, you know, maybe healthcare is getting a little better. So I'm curious if you have a view on that. Well, I think some years ago, there was a lot of promise around digital health and I think sort of consumer health companies. And there are a number of them that were very successful and very impactful. Um, there are some in in your portfolio I can, I can think of, actually. Uh, but a lot of those digital health companies just, that, especially on the consumer side, there just wasn't, I think, ultimately demand for it as much as there was supply for it as we saw in new technologies. And so I think there is some apprehension uh, sometimes about leveraging AI um, and new technologies within the clinical space, which I think is dramatically different than like consumer healthcare. Uh, I actually am very bullish, surprise, surprise, on um, on where the industry is going because, you know, particularly on the hardware side, I think a lot of people sometimes forget that, you know, a, a lot of people are so excited about the ability to leverage data to build new insights and provide better care from uh, for patients but ultimately forget where that data comes from, right? Data is a, you know, you could say as a, to use the medical analogy, I guess, a bit of a side effect of the real world, right? That data needs to be generated from some point to be leveraged. And so we need products, and those are oftentimes hardware, that can collect that data and provide, provide that data to companies that can then glean those insights and, and use that to provide better care for for patients, and so it's really a it's really sort of a two pronged approach. It's it's both the hardware, but also um, AI is what's is in many cases what's generating those insights and what's generating that better care for patients. So I think it's just a much different it. it the ability to utilize those in a clinical environment, in a regulated clinical environment, is actually a huge benefit for the industry because it makes your data much cleaner. It provides a um, a place for that data to be collected in, in an efficient manner. And the teams that are often managing these these new technologies are clinical teams that understand how to run good processes, have implementation procedures. So I actually see the data future and the AI future in the clinical space um, as the future of, of clinical medicine, um, not necessarily a, um, a piece of it, right? This is where the big changes to clinical care. And, and we're a company that's focused on clinical medicine right now. All the things that I'm talking about are reflected or are already underway in the life science, the biotech 
sector. They're usually a little bit ahead of the clinical sector for regulatory reasons, but we can see that impact now rippling from these life science and pharmaceutical and biotech companies uh, into the clinical space too. Well, I take that as a very positive note and view to end on because I am too, I'm very optimistic of us having a better healthcare system over time from these advanced technologies and people supporting those. So I just want to say thank you for taking the time to talk both about Vistapath and what you're doing and your perspective on the space. And obviously, we're very excited about everything that's to come from you all. My pleasure. So good to talk to you today. And don't forget to go to uh, www.vistapath.ai to learn more. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks for listening to Taking Notes with NextGen Venture Partners. We hope you enjoyed the discussion. To learn more about us or to hear our prior episodes, please go to nextgenvp.com. You can also find our podcast on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. And now for some important disclaimers. The information contained in this podcast is for informational purposes only, is not an offer to sell or solicitation of an offer to purchase any securities. Past performance is not indicative of future results. Any performance or projections contained herein may be significantly affected by future events. The opinions, assumptions, assessments, statements, or the like regarding future events or which are forward-looking constitute only subjective views and beliefs, should not be relied on, and are subject to change due to a variety of factors, including fluctuating market conditions and economic factors.